Hey everybody, welcome to Comedy on Vinyl. This week we've got Aaron Davidson, who is the second person from the Nerd Turns uh, web series on uh, the Nerdist channel on YouTube uh, to come on the show. He wanted to talk about uh, MC Paul Barman, who uh, this is, a, I feel like an old person when things like this are introduced to me. Um, but uh, to be fair, it's just something that uh, slipped past my uh, radar uh, when he was actually out there. Um, but uh, yeah, he wanted to talk about that, his other comedy influences, um, <clears throat> because it's such a, uh, he's a newer artist, there's not anything on vinyl. Uh, there are any clips of it throughout, but I do throw uh, the very beginning of uh, a song of his, the title of which I won't necessarily mention for those faint of heart, um, uh, at the very end. A very short clip. You can find it on YouTube if you want to listen to the whole thing or, you know, buy it as would be recommended. But yeah, I had a, a whole lot of fun with Aaron. Uh, this is, uh, you know, one of those, one of the more unconventional episodes as far as a show that's mostly about vinyl. Um, but the thing to remember is it's really generally just about comedy and people's influences. Um, so, uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun talking to him about music also and uh, his influences coming from there. Uh, not entirely dissimilar to our episode with Brian Stack. I would go back and listen to that one. That's a very good one uh, and a good example of how somebody who is an amazing comedian and writer uh, can be influences, influenced uh, just as easily by something that's not necessarily comedy, per se. So yeah, please enjoy the episode. Thanks a lot. Hey everybody, welcome to Comedy on Vinyl. This week we have Aaron Davidson. How are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm good. So, um, let's uh, let's set up in case anybody doesn't know. You are one of the quote-unquote nerd turns. <laughs> and uh, you're one of the co-creators of the Nerd Turns series. Yes. On, on YouTube. Why don't you talk about it for a second, just so everybody knows about it. Okay, right on. I mean, I was an intern first, mm -hmm. for reals. Right, right. Um, at the Meltdown Comics. Um, it was one of sort of a number of things I was doing at the time that were all sort of tangentially involved with TV, movies, writing, yeah. and more or less comedy. Sure. Although I wouldn't say that anything I was doing was limited to that. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, the, uh, the Nerd Turn show came about, um, I think we first pitched it around Christmas time. Uh-huh. Uh, Hardwick did a meeting with all the interns where he just sort of thanked us and mm -hmm. like ha asked if we had any questions and if there was anything he could do to make our lives as interns better. Yeah. Which like really there wasn't cause yeah. you know, interning at meltdown was pretty sweet. I, you know, I, you, <laughs> you set up chairs, you take out the trash and beyond that you just watch infinite free comedy. So I mean, cool. I, I've seen so many amazing, not just comedy events there, but, really cultural events. Yeah. Like, yeah. even in the last month. I mean, it was obviously amazing to see Robin Williams or Louis C.K. coming off the street looking I for bet. a bathroom. <laughs> but, you know, the other the other month they had Die Antword, the mm -hmm. rap group from South Africa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just come in and intro all their videos and explain how they were made. That's so cool. And, like, that was an event that, like, literally could have been at the Getty. Right, right. You know? But it was in the back of this comic book store with, like, security guards everywhere. Like, I sat next to Travis Barker, Holy who, shit. like, waited in line to see them speak. Damn. And, you know, that sort of thing, it's just, like... It really raises the possibilities of that place. Yeah. So I just wanted to sort of rant like that because I, I don't feel like... I feel like being an intern there was like 
valuable in like the most three-dimensional way Sounds like ever. Yeah, that's insane. Um, but it was funny at that meeting where, you know, Chris was like, what can I do? And it, that was like the week the press release went out about the YouTube channels. Oh, okay. So I think I just raised my hand and said, what's up with the YouTube channel? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that just started like a pretty, you know, maybe like a two month long set of talks that mm -hmm. involved just a bunch of emails and meetings. Mm -hmm. Um, and obviously everyone else in the group was a part of those. And, um, yeah, here we are. Yeah. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> but the series is really good too. And oh, that's, thanks. that's what's pleasing. Like, yeah. because, uh, having people put anything together that's of really high production value mm -hmm. and still manages to be short and sweet, you know, yeah. is, is impressive. Yeah. I think, you know, I was going to a lot of those channel one ones. Have you ever been to channel one one? I, I, a few times, but I know that what Lonely Island got their start there and all that stuff, right? Did they know? Yeah, totally. It's been around for eight or nine years mm -hmm. and I got really lucky when I moved to LA in 2010. Mm -hmm. um, it was just one of the first things that people pointed me towards. Yeah. Like I ran into someone I hadn't seen in maybe 10 years at, uh -huh. a at Inception. <laughs> Seeing Inception. <laughs> and he was like, have you checked out Channel 101? And, you know, the premise of it is there's 10 five-minute comedy shorts compete mm -hmm. every month right. for a chance to be seen the next month. Sure. You know? Um, and it's, it was created by Harmon and Schraub, right. you know, creators of Sarah Silverman and community. And, uh, I think like sort of steeping myself in that for a year and a half mm -hmm. before even having the opportunity to write a short web series for a YouTube right. channel. I think it helped. I bet. Um, I never made a channel 101, um, mostly because I was too poor to sure. even think about doing something like yeah. that. No, totally um, right. And I do feel, like, incredibly spoiled that, like, the first web series, like, had a budget <laughs> and had this sort of, like, built-in exposure that Chris Hardwick brings to things he does. Sure. Um, but, yeah, I got to give, I got to just shout it out. And hopefully people can go check out channel101.com and yeah. see what it's all about. It's such a great way to get into just forcing yourself to make things and right. think about things. Right. Even though I wasn't making stuff, I was still, like, writing pilots mm -hmm. and just not showing them to anyone. Because right. that's sort of, like, something you grow into, too. Of course. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Awesome. Uh, now, you wanted to, we're going to, I think this is going to become more of a regular thing now where we sort of uh, veer off the path of vinyl and pick stuff that just straight up influence people. You wanted to talk about Paul Barman for one. That was the first one you mentioned. Yeah. You know, I almost want to take a step back from that and just yeah. say like when you emailed me, I had a moment of terror. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> you know, does. yeah. I mean, you know, whether or not I wet myself <laughs> doesn't really matter. Cause I was in my own apartment. That's I was by fine. myself. So mm -hmm. no one needs to know that. Mm -mm. Um, but you know, I've, I've experienced a lot of comedy in my life, but it's never been my main focus. And I know mm -hmm. that if I tried to talk about, a real comedy album, uh -huh. I would embarrass myself with the That's exception fair. of like, I, I was in a band and this mm -hmm. is going to be totally relevant to the whole conversation. Um, I hope <laughs> <laughs> fingers crossed. Um, podcast listeners, fingers are crossed. Um, I, I, I was in a band and we would listen to Chappelle and Hedberg and Dave Attell on the road. Oh, you know, awesome. we'd be okay. driving through, the swamps of Oklahoma. Are there swamps in Oklahoma? It seemed like it. Sure. Somewhere. It was dark. Mm -hmm. And there was no cell phone reception. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> And we'd be listening to these guys um, over and over again. Yeah. And I don't think we were exposed to enough comedy at that point. This was like 2005, 2006. Okay. Okay. I mean, I know it was out there, but I was living in Sacramento. Mm -hmm. And 
uh, that city struggled pretty hard to have like an indie rock music scene. Okay. And I feel like there's got to be some sort of anthropological connection you mm -hmm. can make between like the size of the city the amount of sort of like independent DIY culture and like whether or not there's a comedy scene. Sure. Yeah. You know, that makes sense. Um, so we weren't being exposed. There was a punchline there. Okay. I think, or one of the big corporate comedy show sure. places. Sure. 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 Um, and believe it or not, as a musician in Sacramento, I was poor there too. So I only <laughs> saw David tell. Anyways, the point is I thought I should talk about, other things that got me into comedy rather than comedy itself. No, that's good. Okay, that's good. Cool. Brian Sack came on the show and talked about uh, a Replacements album. I listened to that, so, yeah. So, like, that's... Yeah. Yeah. If, if Brian Stack can do it, I think it's cool. I think it's fine. Sweet. He, he's a genius. I mean, Sweet. So. Well, the guy we are talking about, Paul Barman, he's like, uh, he went on to write for The Onion. So he, he's this guy who writes hyper-referential rap right you know he's got this song called cock mobster which like i feel like of all his songs you got to play a clip from that one where he literally just like makes dick jokes for four minutes but they're like they're smart you yeah know? Like, i yeah, mean yeah, yeah. uh they're clever and complicated and you know i i'm not sure how how important they are mm -hmm. you know what i mean well still uh, <laughs> it has an importance relative anyway but uh it, it was really something that in 2001 2002 mm -hmm. me and my friends integrated into both our sort of like the way we talk to each other yeah online and offline yeah. and obviously online at this point we're like 128k modems like sure, you know sure. waiting 10 minutes for a paul barman leak to mm -hmm. load or whatever but uh it was very much at that time where we were like getting into that sharing culture yeah yeah which was so important which sure. is so important been so important to comedy definitely i mean definitely you yeah like if we're if if we're now in an age where like louis and aziz just do like five dollar album on my yeah. website like the beginning of that was you know in the 90s sending each other like uh mb3.com and oh, yeah. napster and all oh, that yeah. stuff like Big the time yeah so you know my friends and i would send each other paul barman tracks and we would it changed the way we talk to each other that's awesome that's so good and that was definitely in tandem with the onion mm-hmm which would, you know, the articles could obviously be sent faster. Like, right. what, you know, check out this article in The Onion. And, yeah. you know, you send that off. And then you start, like, working references in into everyday conversation. And yeah. your parents are like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and Paul Barman went on to write for the a AV Club. So I feel oh. like there's a, a deeper connection there yeah. as well. It's interesting to listen to it because it's kind of it's very nerdcore before nerdcore was a thing. Yeah, totally. And when did did he stop? Did he straight up just stop doing the music and just become a writer? Yes, you know? I yeah. think so. That's Actually, weird. I was like, when you emailed me, I was like, "What the fuck is Paul Barman up to?" Yeah. I was looking around the internet and I saw a Wired interview with the RZA that he did mm -hmm. in 2007, and I couldn't really find anything after that. So I don't know what he's doing. That's weird to me. If I had to guess, I would say like. Grad school, gonna become a professor or right, something like right, that. Yeah, um, yeah. He really is just like a nerdy Jewish white guy. Yeah, um, who's just—I don't know—who just made me and my friends laugh endlessly. And he did get some amazing beats from Prince Paul and MF Doom. Mm -hmm. Not sure how into the like independent rap scene 
the audience of this podcast is, but like the beats are really fun and oh, yeah. really good. Questlove played on some stuff. Really? Um, Shit. Yeah. So it was weird. It was weird. It was like his style really was affirmed by like the underground hip hop community. Yeah. But like he really didn't break through in any way. I don't right. think. Right. I don't know. That's no. That's pretty fascinating though. I mean, every once in a while somebody will come on the show and introduce me to something I never ever heard of sure. before, and something that I genuinely enjoy. And it's also interesting that somebody who never quote unquote made it big would in any way influence your your comedy tastes. You know what I mean? Like somebody who yeah. just remained small and kind of. I mean, there's some. I have some old records that are probably like that, but you know, that weren't discovered till after they were dead, or again, only had a very small following like this. So it's always interesting to me when people. Yeah, I mean, Paul Barman ties up a lot of a lot of strings in a lot of ways. Yeah. I was writing comedy even mm-hmm. from an early age. I mean, I was writing from an early age. Like as soon as I got into high school, I was at the newspaper, awesome. and like my sophomore or junior year, like me and a buddy actually started an Onion knockoff. Nice. And the principal didn't let us distributed on campus Mm -hmm. so you know we like did some research and found that like the school didn't own the sidewalk awesome you know the Uh city owned the sidewalk so we could stand on the sidewalk one foot from what the school owned and pass out like 80 copies of our it was literally photocopied at a photocopy shop and sure or photocopy shop and stapled and and just pass out this this satirical newspaper so good um and our quote we we didn't we had like a masthead but then we also had like you know that thing on the inside where you say who made what Mm -hmm. and it was just two of us but the quote in there was from the principal Mm -hmm. and it was just thoroughly offensive (laughs) which is what the principal said about it amazing and then we just passed that out and then in uh so yeah so i mean you can sort of see how all this stuff like ties together like i don't even know like at meltdown like i have no interest in stand-up or improv yeah i i have to admit like if you're if you're if you're at meltdown every day for long enough you're Mm -hmm. gonna think you can do it sure and hopefully you'll try if you want to try like Mm -hmm. that's the beauty of the place it enables that right and that's a good thing definitely for sure for sure um but for me uh for me it's always been about the writing that's why i moved to la yeah um i would in Sacramento, I was doing the musician thing full-time, like six months on the road, mm-hmm. six months at really, really painful temp jobs, mm-hmm. which I think like I got a lot of humor out of, Sure, which I can talk about if you want. But then like I moved to San Francisco when I became too fed up and had like a regular sort of like nine to seven marketing mm-hmm. startup position. Okay. And it was weird coming, coming into that because... Uh, I'll try to tie this back too. I'm sure. You're uh, fine. <laughs> uh, there was like no creativity in my life at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like writing, marketing, like ads and slogans and stuff mm-hmm. for other people's products. Right. But it was coming out of this period where I was like having band practice five nights a week oh, yeah. and you know playing three hundred shows in two years <sighs> in thirty states and like. I decided there had to, but making no money, of course. I had decided there had to be some sort of balance. Mm -hmm. So coming to L.A., I was like, well, I've been writing this whole time. Sure. You know, high school, college. Even when I was in the band, I was writing CD reviews. Even when I was doing the marketing stuff, I was always messing around with the short fiction. Okay, yeah. You know, writing for like 
things to do at night in San Francisco websites, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever you do. Um, and in L.A., I was just like, well, okay, you know, the creative industries still exist there. Right. You know, the money in San Francisco, I'm sure this is surprising to no one, mm-hmm. it goes to web stuff. And right. some of the web companies are super creative. Sure. And they hire, like, really outside-the-box people, mm-hmm. which is why I was there. Mm-hmm. I mean, which is why I got a job there, yeah. you know? Uh, but yeah, so in LA, my, my angle has always been to sort of write, you know, the writing angle Mm -hmm. and meltdown has been a sort of an interesting place for that because like you see these people that work on all your favorite shows every single night. Sure. And a lot of them are doing stand up, and I get the, I sort of get this idea that like, Oh, if you can make the room at meltdown laugh, then you can make the writer's room of, of seven of those people laugh or whatever. Sure, sure. And that's been something that I've been, I don't know, I think about a lot, you mm-hmm. know, because I I performed in a band for so long that I'm, like, pretty sick of getting up on stage. Sure. And also, that. like, because of that, I don't want to just, like, write some jokes and put people through, put people through that, you know, yeah. that's not what it's yeah. about. I feel like there's got to be a way to just get into the writing side by actually just writing. Right. And, you know, it's been interesting because it's like to get onto a comedy show, Mm -hmm. it really helps to be a stand-up. Sure, sure. It really helps to be a stand-up. So really all that's done is, you know, I don't want to force myself into any world. Mm -hmm. It's helped me explore, like, kids programming, animated programming, and the stuff that also really got me into comedy in addition to The Onion and stuff, Mm -hmm. which was like, you know those movies that aren't knock you over the head, you know, airplane comedies, right. like airplane. <laughs> um, uh, but more like, you know, Rushmore and the big Lebowski. I remember those also yeah. changing the way me and my friends talked I bet. Yeah. in school. You know, mm-hmm. I had the friend I started with the newspaper with the underground onion ripoff. Mm-hmm. He told people he was like, going to the Sorbonne for a year. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't think anyone got that joke, you know? Jesus. And it was just because, like, the kid uh, in Rushmore did it, yeah, and, like, yeah. we saw that movie a million times. Yeah. You know? And, like, all my, when The Big Lebowski came out, all my friends started... just changed the way they talked. Oh, I bet, yeah. You know, just right. because of that movie. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, those movies to me... Those movies to me are about the writing now sure. at this point. Like, I see that. Mm-hmm. You know, like, they're genius. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, those scripts are amazing. Lebowski's one of the few scripts I've ever read that I actually found it funny while reading. Yeah. I'm not very good at, at really, like, wanting to read a script, but that's one of the few I've ever bought, sat and read through. I'm like, shit, this works just as well on the page. There's so much, yeah. I mean, for me, like, reading scripts, good and bad, is, like, probably one of the most important things sure. that I, I feel I've done mm-hmm. almost uh, in L.A. Because I came down where I couldn't afford to go to film school. Most people say you shouldn't. Right. I studied creative writing in college, so mm-hmm. I have some sort of angle on telling a story. Right. And, But I still have that sort of like academic interest mm-hmm. in learning sure. stuff. Um, and, and that's the best thing that I got out of college was like, I hate pretty much all of this, except that, like, I actually love writing an essay in English class. Right. You know? And, like, that was a real revelation for me, that I I could enjoy myself, like, 15% of the time. Mm -hmm. I was a pretty dour kid. (laughs) Um, And uh, and when I came to L.A., I was like, how am I going to learn this stuff? Yeah. And it was just like, 
oh, I can download 150 scripts and see how, you know, The Simpsons looks this way yeah. and the Coen Brothers write this way. Right. Don't copy how the Coen Brothers write. Like <laughs> they write copy. super cocky. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like it's like a, it's like they're telling the story to you, mm -hmm. which is amazing. And like you said, it probably makes you laugh more than when you read the script to Juno, for example. Right. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, they get to do that because they're incredible right. and badass. You, you get cocky reading one of those, you're like, oh, fuck, I can do this. <laughs> yeah. And then you try, and you're like, oh, shit, I should uh, Well, it is a back. good way to understand the form. For sure. Um, you know, I think if, like, if you have, if you've never seen a script left to your own devices, like, mm -hmm. especially if you're like me, I came from, you know, creative journalism and mm -hmm. creative writing, uh, fiction writing, like, mm -hmm. my scene descriptions would be, like, pages long. Right, right. If I hadn't seen Tarantino describe like mm -hmm. you know the way Inglorious Bastards looks in one sentence really yeah that's I mean it's incredible like that's, that's the beauty of an amazing script the Coen brothers are pretty good at that too I'd yeah. say where it's just like oh my god like this is exactly like seeing the movie mm -hmm. and it becomes like a chicken and egg thing like mm -hmm. you know is it because I've seen this movie right right but then you read scripts where it's just not like that. Mm -mm. I read some of that. I mean, my first thing out here as an intern was reading scripts for a company. And yeah. Oh, God, that's painful. Yes. So painful to yes. me. And then it, what was funny is like the first two or three that I read were basically a test. The One of them was like, well, we bought one of these already. We're not going to tell you which one. Ooh, what is and I, and I hated the one that they bought, it turns out. So scary. Yeah, it is. And it's like, oh, fuck. Well, I guess I'm not going to do too well at the, I just, I'm, I'm very picky. And I just feel like the you know some of the it's it's so subjective. It's so subjective. And but still, yeah. there it was, some of it was bad, just bad. Yeah, I mean the company I spent most of the year working at was interesting because like the only thing that would cut through the fog there was mm -hmm. the weirdest idea possible. Okay. Which is very cool. Sure. Um, but you know, coming out of that job, I sent the weirdest <laughs> thing I had to some people. Mm -hmm. You know, and like everyone had a different reaction to it. Like some people that were close to that company were like, Oh, this is cool. And like the people at like a major agency were like, this is cool. But like, no one knows, not enough people know about adventure time to read your adventure time. Okay. Spec, I see. You know? So yeah. like we need like a show on a network still. Okay. So I think Shit. this goes back to what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Like it, it, you know, the company you were at might not have been your taste. Sure. But it just all depends. It's like who has the money and then who they have reading and then how that person's day is going. Yep. It's so important. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's so important. I was doing coverage, you know, on a day where I was basically, like, getting dumped on G-chat, oh, you know? And then and in that moment, I realized, like, it really wouldn't matter what I was reading right now. Like, mm -hmm. this project would not go at this company because of the day yeah. that, like me little old executive assistant mm -hmm. is having right and i was like this is the nature of the business mm -hmm. in a lot of ways yeah. you know yeah um but i don't know it's all just a testament to why you have to like never stop for sure for sure that's something that i think you can really take away from from meltdown actually mm -hmm. you just see you can learn a lot about work ethic there oh definitely you know and and you sort of see it from the top down like mm -hmm. hardwick's work ethic is 
bananas. Oh, no, I, I can't imagine. <laughs> and even Jonah and Kumail, like, they grind so hard, and, like, so many of the interns are doing so many interesting things that, like, you don't even know about. Right. Um, I mean, the, in, in a way, you could look at it and say, obviously, Chris Hardwick could be doing 25% of what he does, and he'd be okay. Yeah. You know, and you could look at, same with Jonah or Kumail. Obviously, they both got a lot of shit going on. They don't have to come and do that show. Yeah. Every week. Yeah. But it's obviously beneficial to them. I like that Hardwick has so much going on that I, you don't even understand it anymore. Right. You know, it's right. like the, the legendary thing was so big, mm -hmm. but it's like, what does it mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, it could mean anything. Right. I feel like we'll find out what it means in the next three to five years. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, which is awesome. Yeah. Which I think is awesome. It's one of my favorite things about Los Angeles. I love Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. So all of your like Northern California listeners just turned off the uh, <laughs> turn off the podcast. But I I love Los Angeles. Uh, I love how this bothers people and people make fun of it. But mm -hmm. I I love how many projects people juggle here and how open they are and how willing they are to help. Right. In San Francisco, I saw that a little, but it really only worked if you like had an idea for a social network. Sure. 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 I mean, this yeah, is like weird. The gross generalization, but. But, like, no, you know, if you it. wanted to sort of, like, make music and work on, you know, a drama and a comedy and a web series and a TV show and, like, you know, piece together all these ideas, mm -hmm. then uh, there wasn't really... There might have been an audience up in San Francisco, mm -hmm. but there wasn't really, like, culture. Okay. You know? Yeah. In L.A., like, I know people make fun of, like going to the coffee shop everyone's working on something yep. but really like everyone wants to work right right sure um and meltdown meltdown is cool because it's like a concentration of those people mm -hmm. and like i think you know in that there, there's 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 more of a reason to talk about what you're working on and yeah. like what you want to do right and like people help each other like connect them to the other people that might be doing the yeah. same thing as them i mean even the way i got into i i I was interning at Absolutely, which is Tim and Eric's production company, uh -huh. with a guy who was already interning at Meltdown, okay. and I was going to shows at Meltdown, which I found, they were, you know, one show at Meltdown cost the same amount as two shows at UCB. Yeah, you yeah. Know, $5 versus 8 to 10 mm -hmm. and I would go to Meltdown much, kind of rarely, mm -hmm. so he's like, oh, well, you should just intern there, mm -hmm. you know, and yeah. he's sort of like... We had that downtime on set mm -hmm. where he, like, made the connection and, like, brought me in. That's awesome. And that's such a microcosm for, like, what happens there. Mm -hmm. Of course, what I'm really saying is you have to work for free. For sure. <laughs> yep. For a while. Yeah. Um, that was, like, two things I was working for free on at the same time. Yeah, that's crazy. But, yeah. That's what you're supposed to do, though. I mean, at the end, the thing, again, that I like about Meltdown, it is at a place, like you say, where you can talk to people, connect in that way, and you're not necess you don't necessarily feel like you're being a whore about it. There's a lot of places in L.A. where if you can you can mix, and it doesn't, it's not necessarily conducive to creative, you know, just coming together, and I do like it. Um, I wanted to talk quickly about what were any specific influences for ner the Nerd Turns show, if only because it feels a bit, like, spaced to me. Spaced? I'd, yeah. I mean, I don't know how much you've watched that show. I've watched a little bit of it, not enough. It just feels quite a bit like it, just because it's heavily well, referential mm -hmm. and uh, very stylized looking mm -hmm. and very nice looking. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's seriously it's one of my favorite shows of all time, and so it's that's one of the reasons I, I kept watching because it reminds me of that. It's got a little Scott Pilgrim feel, sure. you know, because of the you know it's a little you know the eight bit music doesn't hurt that, right? But, um, right. Yeah, but it's very. Um, 
very stylized. And I was just curious what your other influences, what your influences. Well, were. the the stylistic influences, like of the cinematography, have to, you know, they have to go to Elliot, who mm-hmm. shot it. Mm-hmm. Elliot is I've known him since the third grade. And um, he is very good at everything. Uh-huh. He's one of those people. Yeah. Um, and in the third grade, I believe we met lip-syncing My Girl mm-hmm. in matching outfits. There's a video of it somewhere. You'll never see it. <laughs> um, and, I, I mean, my history with him goes way back. And I guess, like, I'll tell the story... We were looking for someone to shoot the web series, and mm-hmm. we had found a group of people, and they had sent us a sort of, like, offer, mm-hmm. a deal or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. And uh, Elliot was someone who, he runs his own website. It's uh, little-videos.com, I think. And he films, like, local bands, and he makes it look unbelievable. Oh, nice, nice. Okay. Um, and I was like, hey, could you just take a look at this? Because since he had exposure to that world, mm-hmm. I thought... He would be able to maybe help us negotiate, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was just the closest thing I knew to like an actual DP, and he just never really gave me feedback on that. He mm-hmm. just like undercut the offer and offered way more. Yeah, and I was like, oh, you know, like I'm such a bad friend. I didn't know that this is really what you wanted to be doing because right, right. he was like, he's a super talented web designer, mm-hmm. and that's what he was doing. Yeah, you know? he was like. Yeah, this is what I want to be doing. You know, like, this is what I want to be doing. I was like, oh, okay. So, like, he shows up the first day of shooting Mm -hmm. at Meltdown, and he's like, check this out. And he has bought a four-foot jib arm off of eBay. And Uh apparently there's, like, an entire subculture Mm -hmm. of, like, film geeks or, like, basically cinematography geeks Mm -hmm. who, like, just go to Home Depot, buy little pieces of wood and metal, and, like, it's literally, like... The opening shot of... It's like a microcosmic opening shot of Transformers. Where, Mm -hmm. like, you know, it's that shot where me, uh, Ben and I walk in and, like, look up and the camera pulls up. And, like, suddenly, like, Meltdown looks like an airplane hanger. (laughs) Like a little airplane hanger full of books. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) That should be their slogan. (laughs) Um, A little airplane hanger full of books. And, like... I mean, right off, like, it doesn't look like another web series. And it's really just, like, a $100 camera trick. But, like, we use that jib a lot in the pilot. Like, when we pull up from Ben screaming, Mm -hmm. I think it has, like, more of a professional feel. Definitely. Because it is something you would see in, like, a comedy with a budget. Sure, yeah. And I think... I think it's, like, strange for a web series to have that. So, anyways, like, the look really comes a lot from his ingenuity. And Mm -hmm. I, I think... If if I learned anything from from Nerd Turns, it's that Elliot Glass is a fucking genius, oh, yeah. Yeah. and um, I know that he's heavily influenced by like uh, Wes Anderson mm-hmm, mm-hmm. stylistically. Yeah, and you know I think between his sort of like color look and feel mm-hmm. and style, and you know, some of the props and set designs that Jenny did, yeah. I think we sort of got a lot more detail into the show mm-hmm. than we would have otherwise. Right. Um, anyway, so that's the look. I mean, I think the one thing that the creators bonded on most was probably community. Okay. That, at least that's it. like on the air now. Yeah, you know? yeah no, I can see that. Um, I certainly thought that you know, doing whole whole rep- referential episodes mm-hmm. in a smaller scale in our web series where we were like limited to one setting would yeah. be really interesting. Yeah. 
Um, I also think, like, personally, I, I think I probably rep that community harder than anyone else in the group. Okay. I mean, I found Meltdown because Dan Harmon started doing a show there. Sure, sure, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, there's nothing to be ashamed of. That's just how it worked for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I love community. I think, like, season one was amazing. I think season two was changed the game a little bit yeah. you know i think the double homage episodes was actually something new for network television right actually you know what uh, not to interrupt but uh, that's actually the perfect uh, perfect uh, sort of backward segue because yeah. community feels so much like spaced to me and sure. i know that the guys from like simon Pegg loves community and shit so i'm sure it goes both ways yeah definitely yeah. so i mean i that makes sense then why your show would feel like space to me because it does feel a lot that like community. probably makes sense yeah yeah i'm sorry keep going you were talking about <laughs> seeing dan Harmon and Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I, I landed in L.A. in, I guess, April of 2010, mm -hmm. and my first week in L.A., all I did was write a community spec. Awesome. That's you know, cool, like, though. I mean, my my passion for that show is pretty deep. I relate to the comedy, I think, a little more than just, like, a raw joke show, like mm -hmm. 30 Rock, sure. which I love, too. Mm -hmm. But uh, community feels like there's a little more pathos. Mm-hmm to it um you know like they're really it's weird but like they're really trying to like you know make you understand the journey of these people definitely um yeah and that they can do yeah. it with characters that do seem like caricatures at first but really turn out not to be a really yeah love that. they really colored them in mm -hmm. they really did and i think that's that's pretty inspiring too um but then I, I also love that when, you know, when they did something like Paintball or mm -hmm. Dungeons and Dragons or the actual double homage, the Pulp Fiction, My Dinner with Andre episode, mm -hmm. it's like, it would have been, it, it feels to me like it should have been so easy for the characters to slip back into characterizations mm -hmm. because they're playing other characters. Right. So like... And the fact that they could, like, retain, like, the complexity, mm -hmm. uh, you know, where, like, uh, you know, where Abed is, like, this incredibly difficult to understand character who then is, like, once he, like, gets into the role of Han Solo, he's mm -hmm. just Han Solo. But you have to, like, understand that, like, he's forgotten who he really is, but everyone right. else around him remembers. Mm -hmm. It's insane. Yeah. You know, like, that yeah. show, that show is crazy. So, anyways, I thought almost as, like, an a thought experiment. I was mm -hmm. like, well, I wanted to try to bring that to nerd turns yeah, yeah. best we could. Right. And then I, I think, I think more than that, you know, being limited to meltdown mm -hmm. as a location yeah, uh, and setting, I think it was like, we, we were forced to like, you know, it, the the pilot sorry to trail off the pilot no, no, was no. like, you know, a, a Willy Wonka homage. Right. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, and I think like, setting up the comic book store as a chocolate factory, mm -hmm. a metaphorical chocolate factory, sure. uh, sort of set the tone that, like, oh, I see, like, this show isn't really about interning, which is clearly boring, right. um, you know, and it's not really about a comic book store, which is, like, only interesting to people in the comic books. Yep. You know, it's really, like, a show about anything, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. anything can happen. And I think it was important to set that up. And I mean, a lot of the early episodes we wrote before we even knew about the YouTube channel were mm -hmm. just sort of like high concept sort of things. Okay. Um, I wrote an episode that we sent along when we first pitched the show called like the Seinfeld day episode where like the intern staff 
celebrates the anniversary of the creation of Seinfeld. <laughs> and, like, uh, you know, someone dresses as Jerry, Elaine, and George, and then every other intern dresses as Kramer. <laughs> so, you know, you have this, like, incredibly diverse <laughs> population of interns with different races, ethnicities, ages. Mm-hmm. Some are married, some are... There's children running around. Mm-hmm. And they're all just doing Kramer. And, like, echoing, you know, giddy up, like, seven people down the line. And, I mean, look, (laughs) that that idea, like, didn't really fit into a bigger arc, of course. But, like, I think, I I still like, I still like that we could do something in that space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, like that. That's so good. Um, Let's, uh, were there any uh, other ones, pardon me. Um, that uh, popped in your head besides um, the the gentleman we were talking about earlier. Uh, any other influences that like? Because I, I it it sounds to me like I mean obviously you've like you say you've always been interested in writing. Mm-hmm. Um, when when did you okay actually when did you decide that comedy writing was your thing or was it a decision? Did you just the things you wrote turned out to be funny? Uh, well if you, in. I think we should probably go back to college mm-hmm. time. I went to UC Davis, which actually is a really great creative writing department. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a professor, I had a lot of great professors there. I had one professor, Joe Wenderoth, who wrote a book called Letters to Wendy's. Okay. And he basically went to Wendy's every day for a year. Uh-huh. And they have these comment cards uh-huh. at Wendy's where you can like write about your experience. Mm-hmm. And he basically wrote uh, a paragraph of prose on the comment cards for a year and eventually published it in this book. You should check it out. It's really funny. Sounds awesome. But it's also it's it's also like fucked up and mm-hmm. obtuse mm-hmm. and bizarre and like sometimes he talks about Wendy's but sometimes he's just talking about like fever dreams and like not feeling <laughs> healthy and like it's crazy and um being exposed to stuff like that, like stuff like that that's funny but weird mm-hmm. and not obvious has mm-hmm. been maybe too important in my life. Mm-hmm. So it's like in college when I was, you know, having to turn in short stories and stuff, mm-hmm. I was reading like Pynchon and Dave Foster Wallace mm-hmm. and George mm-hmm. Saunders. I don't know if you've read any of them. No. They're all essentially humorists, right. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, George Saunders has a great, great, I guess it's a novella, a civil war land in bad decline. Mm-hmm. And, it's it's about a theme park like based on the Civil War. Mm-hmm. He's got a couple stories like that, like a theme park based on a like uh, caveman times, uh-huh. where like these two real people are living together and portraying cavemen, but like they can't talk to each other or they get fired. Uh-huh. So it's sort of like a Big Brother thing, like they're being watched and yeah. stuff. And David Foster Wallace is the same way, just like the craziest shit ever. That's not like. It's not like a setup and a punchline. It's yeah. just like, wait, am I reading a story about this right now? Right. So that has really influenced me. And there is, there are connections there. Like Ben Stiller's company owned the rights to George Saunders' stuff okay. to make into a film that mm-hmm. never, it probably wasn't really that makeable. Right. But like people are rec- you know, are recognizing that, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I, 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 I had that stuff. That stuff was hugely influential, Mm -hmm. and I think coming to L.A., because of that stuff, I was like, well, comedy is probably the best thing, Okay, you know? Yeah. But then I realized that 
I'm only half right. And Nerd Turns really helped me realize that. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I, I... I, I learned so much from Kyle, for mm -hmm. example, on that show, because he's like a set-up punchline guy. Sure. That's what he does. That's yeah. what he wants to do. Um, you know, I was much more like, oh, and then the characters, like, this can tie back to the first episode, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, like, emotional payoff, you know, all sorts of weird, like, connections that weren't necessarily funny. Yeah. But that, like, added that foundation, mm -hmm. you know, to, like, believing in the space and believing in the characters. Right. Um, and I think I got that from very much not being a part of the stand-up world or the yeah. comedy world or the improv world. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I'm, like, pushing myself away from it without, like, pointing out that I've watched, like, every episode of Party Down and Arrested Development, like, 100,000 times, you know? <laughs> right, right. No, it's... Yeah. I mean, it's it's clear that you need those different perspectives to write something like that because, I, I, I mean, I've, I've had the same kind of experiences with people who have... Uh, more of an improv background than I do, or something where mm -hmm. they've they've got maybe a different style of comedy, and they're going to bring something. I, I just finished a feature that was all impro improvised, but I'm not a trained improviser. Wow. Um, but those guys, some of them are, I would call them professional improvisers. They live still live in Chicago. These guys, and uh, some of them, one of my best friends, he got involved in improv because he was in the movie, but he brought a dramatic acting background to it. Yeah. But was still one of the funniest guys in the movie. So it's interesting to combine all those different sort of sets of experiences to just sort of cause like you said I, I feel like one person can bring more of a character arc sensibility to it one can bring more of a, just a general story sensibility to it you know just a, a, events plot points and then you always obviously always need to set up punchline guy so that's that's invariably important too yeah I've I've one thing I've done well first of all to go off that point I feel mm -hmm. like a show like community really succeeds because of mm -hmm. that party yeah. down is probably the same way in mm -hmm. a lot of ways like Brian Stack on your show was talking about the tragedy and the comedy mm -hmm. and like Party Down the oh, best God. episodes of Party Down are like one act plays yeah. I think we can probably agree and it's like it's like for me that connects a little bit more um, just because I'm like wow mm -hmm. You know, the narrative here is so strong. Yeah. You know, like the jokes are great. That's awesome. A lot of shows have great jokes. Sure. But like this thing is working on so many levels. Yeah. You know, yeah. like the Dungeons and Dragons episode is another episode mm -hmm. of television where I've watched it 20 times and yeah. I have the script and I read it every so often awesome. when I need inspiration because it's like there's a narrative and then the game itself is a narrative mm -hmm. and uh, then there's like the other narratives from the other episodes of these characters that are now in a different character. Yeah. I love that overlapping shit, you yeah. know? And um, I mean, now I'm working on all this stuff trying to find my voice and like I don't want to feel like, I ha like I'm a straight comedy guy. Sure. And I... I don't want to feel like I'm like a drama writer or mm -hmm. like I can only write this thing or that thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's going to take me longer to convince people that that's possible. Mm. I think yeah. because it's not like, I mean, if it's obvious to them what you want to do, sure. Then they'll know where to put you if they right. can help. Right, right, right. But for me, like the payoff in the big picture is better if I if I don't feel like I'm pinning myself down. And that's just something I've learned from like trying out three careers in my twenties, I right, think. Right. Yeah. It's like music was too 
narrow. Mm -hmm. You know, marketing was too soul crushing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you bet. know, like now that I'm here in LA and I'm like very comfortable and, you know, experiencing certain successes and experiences that are moving me in a direction that feels like forward, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I want to keep it complex. Sure. And sure. I want to never, I don't ever want to feel again like I'm trapped in yeah, anything. Definitely, definitely. No, I can completely understand that. Oh, though. man. Has anyone talked about trapped in the closet? No one has, actually. Jesus. No bring me has. back. Yeah, bring me right. back. Oh, yeah. We should, actually. That would be good. That, I, mean, I don't know how people. influential that is. It but... doesn't matter about influential. That yeah. thing uh, definitely hit a lot of us at the same time. Yeah. Holy God. Yeah. I want to write that down, actually. Not... I was going to say something else that I'm going to forget. <laughs> That is the format of this show. Forget Sweet. what you were going to say. Killing That's it. How I always am. <laughs> Hashtag killing it. <laughs> um, well, yeah. Well, thank you for watching that, the Nerd Turns, and for everyone else out there for watching it. It's um, great. It's really good. And it's rewatchable, which is which oh, is a bonus, cool. which awesome. is which makes me happy. It seems like a lot of everybody who's watching it enjoyed it. I mean, they had a shitload of you. I mean, sure, it helps that you're on YouTube, but I mean, it's, you know, Dude. it seems like it must be rewatchable re re by a lot of people. I think so. You know? I think so. I mean, one thing... I have, everyone at Meltdown has their own idea of, mm -hmm. like, how successful YouTube is as, like, a, a mode of uh, distribution, I yeah. think. Yeah, And I don't know if anyone really knows yet. I don't know if Google knows. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know. I don't really understand. To me, it's just great. Sure. Like, sure. the first video, you know, like... Thousands of views. Like, how is that bad? No, like, no, it's, it's not a, bad. I mean, it does get people careers. It does get people jobs. I mean, it. But it's, it's the the bonus to it is that there's not one thing that defines success. Other than a lot of views, there's not one thing that defines what you need to do to be successful. It's yeah. like um, I hear you know I've heard actually Jonah make the same joke. Uh, I make a lot that where people want to make something viral as though that you can just make something viral and so you can create viral video yeah. as, as though it doesn't just become viral if it's good uh, I mean like fucking what's his name on uh, Krispy Kreme have you listened to Krispy Kreme? no holy shit I will play you some, one of his raps later good god he's a he's a guy who purports to be southern and he seems to be a very sort of backwoods gentleman rapping about uh christmas and very just uh, I'll, I'll play one of his songs but uh, that's a guy who's clearly got millions of hits i think he's getting record deals mm -hmm. and it's nothing like what you do it's nothing like what yeah. i've seen on other channels it's just it, it it's nothing like gangnam style who right. obviously is a guy who's famous in another country anyway but you know right has the most viewed video on youtube and is probably going to be making a shitload of money off of it. i know just what you're saying about jonah shrugging and being like you can't just it can't just be viral right. because when I was in San Francisco, mm -hmm. that was basically my job. I mean, it mm -hmm. was a two person marketing department. It was my boss and myself and mm -hmm. my boss would be like, all right, so we just got to do this thing and you know, we'll just make it viral. It was that easy. And I mean, I feel like there's almost a city, like San Francisco is almost like a city based on that idea. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, so funny. we'll do a social network just for people that like birds, you know? <laughs> It'll just be viral. Like, everyone will need it. Um, oh, but it's, 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 it's absurd. I mean, yeah. I, I think the one of my favorite things about the Nurturance experience, now that it's, you know, fading mm -hmm. into the past, mm -hmm. um, for the time being at least, yeah. uh, is talking to the owner of Meltdown mm -hmm. about it, you know? And you want to put, like, a human stamp on it because virality mm -hmm. is, like, 
that's like some Terminator shit. You yeah. know, it's like it's like so amorphous. Yeah. It's like what is it? Yeah. You know, no one knows. That's sort of what Jonah's saying. But like when you talk to the owner of Meltdown who got like an eighty eight minute long moving billboard for his store, you know, in the, in our show, it's like all yeah. set in his store. Yeah. Right, you're right. He yeah. gets like he he has the biggest smile. That's awesome. You know? That's and great. it's like to me that in and of itself is like massively successful. I feel like I learned more of a lesson from that than even, you know, shooting that stuff yeah. in a lot of ways. Cause it's like, Oh, like, you know, with in LA with your own projects and like doing this and that, you can sort of get bogged down in, in your ego and yourself and all sure. that good stuff, yeah. which is important sometimes right. to get, you know, you to have get, to have the you confidence. You have to keep going. Yeah. But like, you got to put a human face on it. Mm -hmm. You know. And now that I can have seen that, like, I've definitely taken that into other projects because yeah. that's something that's really exciting about the web. Yeah. You know, I I believe in it as like there's no reason why the next Sesame Street couldn't be online. For sure. There's no reason why the next. Um, I don't know, like, the stuff Vice is doing, mm -hmm. Vice Magazine, yeah. is unbelievable. Really? It's not really funny, so I probably shouldn't talk about it. Yeah, but, it like, matter. you know, it's, like, distributed through a YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. You know, they're in fucking Syria or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, with, like, hospitals being leveled behind them. It's and it's, like, that's more interesting than 60 Minutes. Definitely, yeah. And YouTube allows for the instant distribution. It allows for, you know, you don't have to own a... You have to own a computer, but like you know, you don't need to like find it on television and watch it right. at a certain time. Yeah, obviously, it's just great. So I feel like you know the fact that nerd turns can like direct people to the store. Yeah, is awesome because Meltdown is amazing. Definitely, you know, yeah. there's a comedy club in the back of it, and the comic and books are incredible. Holy yeah, shit. I mean, I mean, I'm not even a comic guy, and I like going to that shop because I love toys. But yeah, um, I and and I, and I think another bonus to it too is is because you know people complain. I think complain and also laud it for the fact that millions of people can put their shit up at one time it's kind of decided by the masses what goes and what doesn't but i mean that's whatever becomes mainstream on youtube is going to be made by such a varied group of people it's yeah. not the same assholes in charge like it has been at the you know the, the networks and even the cable companies for years yeah for sure and i mean you know like amazon has that like development studio now yeah. Yeah. for for film and television it just makes sense mm -hmm. you know it just makes sense. Like, they're a profitable company yeah. that's selling entertainment. Like, they've created their own distribution model for entertainment, and this is all goes for YouTube as well and mm -hmm. Google. It's like, why wouldn't why wouldn't you premiere a movie on the front page of YouTube? Right. You know? Right. Like, who cares if it's free? Like, if, you know, you can make a really good movie for $500,000 right. now. Definitely. You sh you could premiere it for free. That shit would have two million views in a week if it was on the front page of YouTube exactly. for for however long. And someone would buy advertising against it. Would have to, yeah. Um, if they knew it's not going to be like Super Bowl advertising prices, no. but no. like it doesn't have to be. Mm -mm. Um, I don't know. I think it's a great distribution model. I think there's a lot of like thought experiments that need to happen. Mm -hmm in a way um and i feel like nerd turns actually was one a little more than we knew yeah you know when we started fucking around with that idea it was because we were bored right. <laughs> you right. know we were just sitting around and it was like it would be funny if yeah. we did this but then like what we didn't know was that hardwick didn't have a scripted show and he didn't have a show about the theater where he did all his other shows right. and he didn't have a show that really utilized all the free labor that works at the theater. Mm -hmm. And, like, our show knocked all of these targets down mm -hmm. without us even knowing. Right. 
So when I think about future projects, I try to like harness that in mm-hmm. a weird way, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like, I'm like, well, what is missing from whether or not it's the Nerdist channel? Like, what's missing from the web? Yeah. You yeah. know? That, that need that has to be met, that has to be satisfied. Yeah. It's so important to try and find. Yeah. If you can. Unexpected lessons, I'll tell you. Mm-hmm. No, I bet. Which um, is exciting. I, uh, we're, we're about there, but is there, um, are there any, is there anything coming up that you're working on that's going to... There is. I mean, I... I'm in that really weird L.A. phase mm-hmm. where uh, I sort of, like, um, well, okay, here's another rant. This is what I do. Uh, you know, I, I it, one thing that I wish people would do less is talk about things that aren't happening. Mm-hmm. You know, like, this is very much a town where it's, like, like I said before, I'm really happy that everyone can have all these different projects, but it's, like, they're not all really happening. Right. You know, you're having meetings on this, and you're (laughs) writing on this, but no one's paid you for it, you know? I'm in that phase. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. And I just don't like talking about it. I don't know. I, I, maybe I should, but, um, you know, if 98% of the stuff doesn't happen in real life, yeah. then it's like, what are we really talking about? Sure. Um, I guess the hope is when you talk about it, somebody else picks up on it, and they happen to be the person who can make it happen. But uh, how often does that uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And then I, I had a uh, one of those things you call an informational interview with uh, the guy that played um, Lex Luthor on Smallville. Uh-huh. He's, a, he's a great like writer, director, mm-hmm. actor, um, who was really generous Mm-hmm. to talk to me. Uh-huh. Michael Rosenbaum is his name. And the last thing he said to me was like, uh, you know, no matter what, don't trust anyone. Mm-hmm. And shit. I was like, shit, Lex Luthor is telling me not to trust anyone. That's crazy. Um, which isn't to say like, I don't just want to like pitch out projects on your show no. thinking mm-hmm. that someone's going to steal it or whatever. But uh-huh. it, it's like, uh, I, I, it's like there's I... all these levels to like, when you're working on shit that's like, happening or not happening or mm-hmm. maybe happening or you want to happen sure. it's like it's just confusing mm-hmm. you know yeah um yeah. so maybe like the real answer to your your real question mm-hmm. is i don't have anything to plug other than nerd turns like i think people should go back and watch it again i think people should share it mm-hmm. you know you can type in i think i think one thing that needs to be toggled is like there should be probably a landing page for it Right. There's a Facebook, I mean, backslash mm-hmm. Nerd Turns the Show or Nerd Turns or whatever it is. And if you type in Nerd Turns into the internets, like, it's mm-hmm. going to come up. Sure. It's a pretty unique word. Yeah. Um, which is surprising that we've managed that mm-hmm. in this day and age. But, you know, I think I think that's the the one thing that people should check out. Okay. Um, where can people follow you again? I know that I've mentioned I'm it not on Twitter. Okay. Yeah, so you probably haven't mentioned it. Uh, probably not then. You know, I'm, my social network game is not not on fire. I All think right. that's part of my not being a stand-up, not being an improv. Yeah. It's important for them. Sure. And it's probably important for me at some point. But right. right now, I don't know. Right now, I'm just in my own world of like writing and trying to meet real people <laughs> to mm-hmm. read my real scripts. Right. Um, I, I don't know. I, I haven't discovered, I haven't um, rediscovered the value of Twitter and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. It's, it's hard. I, don't, I rarely go up there unless I've got some stupid joke to make which is all the time, but, you know. Um, well, then, uh, everybody, please watch 
the nerd turns, um, and uh, if, if you give a fuck, I'm briefly in the background in two of the episodes. You can you can see me and my glasses and, and your shirt and my right? shirt. My shirt is in the show too. My the the, the old version. Did no. they ever do anything with that shirt? Yeah, they turned it into. Actually, I, I still have it. I need to put it somewhere. But they they made it. Oh, into nice. That. Oh, that's I, great. Uh, which was a bitch and a half to make, but I think they sold them at like New York Comic Con or something. And actually, I think it's in the beginning of one of the other episodes, in the the, um, the Newsboy episode. Mm-hmm. Having to have it on a dummy. That made me happy. I'm sure, it makes my mom proud. She was very excited to see me on TV with that thing. Um, so, but yeah, please watch the show several times. Like them all. Click like on How many episodes were there? Were there eight? There were ten. Ten episodes. Oh, there were ten episodes. Okay. That makes sense. And, um, yeah, and uh, I will make sure and put links to all that stuff on the website. And But thank you so much for doing this. Dude, thank you for listening to me rant like a crazy person. No, it was good. It was all really, uh, it was nice, uh, really intelligent stuff to talk about. That oh, it, cool. like, I mean, I, I love that you brought up, the, oh, this guy does really smart fart jokes, but nothing you talked about uh, really echoed that. So that, that was Right. Fun. And you have to tie that back to The Onion, which was also yeah. a big influence. Like, I, I hope I talked about The Onion a bit. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, there was something about the onion that was like really intelligent. Yeah, fart jokes. Oh yeah, no, definitely. But definitely. yeah, when you we should do a roundtable for Trap in the Closet. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> but I'll I'll print it on vinyl somehow. <laughs> I don't know how. It's a visual thing. Uh-huh. Although the songs would be pretty funny to listen to. Yeah. But oh yeah, definitely. Well, um, thank you again, and you you definitely will come back. And uh, everybody, thank you for listening. Vote us highly and all that good stuff on 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 iTunes, and have a good thing. Hey, baby. Do you know who I am? Comedy on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, read our blogs, read our tweets, watch our videos, and read our books. Please subscribe on iTunes, rate us highly, and write your reviews. You can follow us on Facebook.com slash Comedy on Vinyl and Twitter at Comedy on Vinyl. Rhyming, but change the game. I started rhyming when the radio was unbearably lame. Rappers are in danger. Depression is closely followed by delusions of grandeur. I think about all the pub I got while reading the Rubaiyat and make babies in bunny slippers with the JBs rocking the honey drippers. Hey, baby. Do you know who I am?